You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the concession stand. This is episode number 26, and I am your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, in with his cape on, okay. Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm great. Uh, cape and cowl uh, intact. Hey, uh, episode number 26, my favorite number 26 of all time, Wade Boggs. Ooh, that's or number a good 26, one. and it's very appropriate that Wade Boggs, who had the legendary beer drinking story on a flight from New York to Seattle, drank like some ridiculous number of beers, like 96. If we give anybody one of these, Wade Boggs gets the Stone Cold Salute! I said, give me a hell yeah! He also loved fried chicken, apparently, too. Oh my God, I love fried chicken. I saw a picture this week of a fried KFC birthday cake. What? And instead of icing, it was mashed potatoes, and it had like two pieces of chicken. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about this week. Let's not get too distracted with fried chicken birthday cake. Oh, my goodness. All right, so last week we talked about uh, the L.A. Independent Film Festival, the Real Film Festival, and the fact that my brother and his wife had a movie in that, and Nick has a feature film that is also going to appear in that. That's uh, local here in Los Angeles. Nick and I had a chance to go see uh, my brother Ryan's movie uh, on Monday night. Uh, at a uh, big-time theater in downtown Los Angeles, and we got to see the finished product. Uh, I worked on it over a year ago and have stayed away from seeing anything since they shot it because I just wanted to uh, get the full experience. Um, I was beyond impressed with what, what they came up with. And, no and kidding. It was, it's, it's awesome, and there's no way that you guys can see it yet. We're, we're hoping that they get a distribution deal sooner rather than later so this can get out to the world. It is a ton of fun. It is a dark comedy, but it's also a bit of like a scary horror movie at the same time. Yeah. That it's just a fun, fun ride, and I, I just hope the world gets to see this movie. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. I went in expecting to see an independent film. What I saw was a fully fleshed out, multi million dollar feature. Yeah, I was genuinely impressed. Ryan, Beth, Tarkin, kudos to all of the cast. Absolutely fantastic job. Evans, the, the ed, timing on the edits were fantastic. Just want to give a full shout-out to everybody uh, that, that worked on that because it was absolutely fantastic. I know you guys have to be absolutely just ridiculously happy with how that came out. Yeah, and as a, as a brother, I couldn't be more proud. I mean, I almost shed a tear at the end. Actually, I did shed a tear at the end when it was all over because I was just so happy for him and, and the amount of work and time and money and effort and all the stuff that they put into it because it all shows on the screen. And good job, guys. It was amazing. Yes, it was. So tomorrow we're going to go see your movie, if you yes. want to talk about that, and then we'll talk about our reaction to that next week, but go ahead. Well, we, it's, it's unfortunate with the timing. We didn't get to see it before we recorded tonight, but it is, we, we're showing it tomorrow. Uh, we talked about it last week. It's absolute debauchery. It is a 90-minute, uh, roughly two-hour feature film, uh, L.A. neon noir crime drama, um, you know, to get away dirt. To get away clean, they're going to have to get a little dirty. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, one of those gorilla shot, run and gun caper films around uh, different various places in Los Angeles. So had a really good time shooting that. Really looking forward to seeing it. I have not seen this final cut that Chris has put together uh, with the Post House and the editors. So we'll see what it looks like, and uh, I can't wait to see it. So uh, we'll have some more news on that, uh, kind of our reviews as well next week. 
Yeah, I had the chance also to work uh, the Writers Guild Awards this past Sunday. Um, Pat Oswald hosted that, and it was just a neat kind of thing to be in that room. They did it in the room where the Golden Globes are, and I'd never been in that room before. Hmm. Um, it's a lot smaller on television, just like all things are, right? Uh, than, than it actually <laughs> looks, or it's a lot bigger on television than it actually is. Um, a lot of cool moments. Uh, there was a really funny thing with uh, with Pat Oswald and a Trump impersonator that was just genius. Um, but yeah, it wasn't but, no that Melissa McCarthy did the pre- who does the oh Alec Baldwin uh, yeah but it, it was it was, Eric it was Barry. yeah this guy was better um, it was it was really <laughs> cool um, there was a big like tribute to Oliver Stone and so he nice. was there Jeff Goldblum was there Jeff Dan was like a lot of big stars and it was just a lot of fun to see a lot of people to, you know at that sort and yes we sort of made fun of the the whole pomp and circumstance of all this but then to be there and see it yeah uh, and to be working it and really get a behind the scenes look at it it was pretty cool I was backstage uh, sending people around the corner and I didn't even realize this and some guy bumped into me it was Denzel Washington he is. <laughs> smaller than you would think of Just, course yeah they all are he's not that tall. he's got a giant head very yeah. cool very gallum collected nice guy but uh yeah i'd never expected tom cruise to- and robert downey jr are two of the smallest <laughs> men i've ever encountered in my life <laughs> yeah. and they're the base some of the biggest stars yeah. in the world so so uh, a couple of notes from the writers guild awards as a, as a, uh, as it relates to this show uh video game writing mm. went to uncharted 4 of course it did yeah and I'm finally playing through that, as we've talked about offline here, uh, that I put off playing this game because I just didn't want it to end, yeah. to be honest with you. And now that I've just been tearing through it in the last week, it's you know just as good as I expected. So, And yes, the writing up to this point, I'm about three quarters of the way through it. Top notch. Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing there is Arrival won Best Adapted Screenplay. I know that you know, you're not as big of a fan of that movie. I'm more of a fan, but not really a fan. And uh, Moonlight won the big or screenplay award, uh, best screenplay at the end. Best of the original night. screenplay. Yeah, but it's weird because uh, we'll get into this later. But um, yeah, um, so the, the the two script winners or screenplay winners that night were Arrival and Moonlight. Well, speaking of those, let's get into some more TV and movies. So, were you a Mystery Science Theater fan? Rabid. Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan. I was too. That was like the perfect show to just sit down and watch, you know, because it's always a bad movie. And it's like, it's it, it, the appeal of that show is, it, you know, people, the, these guys are watching movies and just commenting on it and making fun of it, just like you and I would if we're watching a bad movie you yeah. know, late at night, usually over a couple of beers. That was like in college and after college, that was like the whole, like, you know, you're, you and your buddies would just like sit on the couch and drink some beers and just laugh with along with them. Uh, it's coming back. Well, for me, watching it, it was one of those things where I first turned it on. I had no idea it existed. I think it was on Comedy Central. Yeah. And I was cruising through, and I, all you see is this silhouette at mm-hmm. the bottom of a movie playing, and it's these robots moving around. I'm just like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> so I start watching it, and I'm paying more attention to their commentary than I am the film, right? And I think that's what was intended. Yeah. An interesting side effect of that was that I ended. That's kind of I credit that to me getting into like old classic black and white, all right, horror and sci-fi. Right? Cool. Yeah, they were terrible films. Yeah, but that was kind of the allure was that you watch that show to watch terrible B films, right? Yeah, and you, it turned all those terrible movies into funny movies because of the commentary that yeah. you know those guys had. Uh, so I couldn't be more excited that it's coming back, and it's going to be offered exclusively on Netflix. Yep, and it's got a big star that we just talked about, yep. and, if, and we're both fans of attached to it as well, and he's going to be on it, and that's Patton Oswalt. So yep. he's going to be there. Felicia Day, another uh, uh, geek sort of a hero is going to be on that show as well. And I believe it's the same sort of formula. I don't know what movies are going to do if they're going to pick like, you know, mainstream movies or who knows, but uh, it's coming very soon for tax day. Almost April, April 14th. 14th yeah. yeah. So it's only six weeks away and I didn't even know this was coming, but I couldn't be more excited. Yeah. Uh, speaking of geek heroes, uh, well, combination of predator and Shane black, uh, Shane black <laughs> tweeted today that they are officially rolling cameras and starting production on the new predator film. 
We have we have spoken at length about how we are not excited about reboots, but I am excited about this reboot. I, I'm excited about this one too. Although I will say this, the picture I you know the, the Predator I grew up with. It's one of my all time favorite action movies. Is just like these giant muscular huge dudes, right? Yeah. Jesse Body Ventura, Marines, Carl Weathers, and Schwarzenegger. They're all just yoked and like just ripped, right? But this this cast photo looked like some not as yoked people. We'll yeah. just say that. Um, so uh, it, it, it kind of took me, it kind of took me by surprise, but if there's anybody that's going to be able to pull this off and get the character development, right, it's that guy, Shane Black. So, uh, I trust in that it's his property to begin with, you know, yep. he came up with the whole idea and if he's going to reboot it, there, there shouldn't be anybody else. I, I trust in Shane Black to make this a good, a good film period. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know, there's another reboot that actually got shut down. Good. Well, what is it? It requires some, some backstory here. So I, you, Yeah. <laughs> so we all know that there's been this running trend for many years now about this whole idea of rebooting and how many times are they going to reboot Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and all of our cult classics and RoboCop and Total Recall and all this stuff. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. For the first time, first time that I know of, Paramount Pictures actually shut down weeks before they were set to go into production and roll cameras and start filming. Everything was in place. Weeks before it, they shut down the Friday the 13th reboot that was getting ready to happen. And thank you. And I hope that this is a sign that the studios are starting to recognize that we don't want this anymore. We, we stop messing with our old cult films, go out and get some original ideas because there's tons of them and we're, we've seen them pop up over the last few years, but this has got to stop at some point. And my hope is that this is what's going on. So I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. Yeah. Um, but it's okay to do a reboot of Batman or reboot of James Bond or a reboot of those kind of characters, but we, we can't put the classic horror movie sort we of like... We just had a Michael Bay reboot of Friday the 13th five years ago, yeah, not that, even. Yeah, but that's Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now you're making excuses right. based on who's directing it. Yeah, right? pretty much. It, it's, it's regardless, in yeah. my opinion. So, yes, if 20 to plus 30 years goes by and somebody hasn't touched the property... Fine, fair dues. Scarface may be a good example of that, okay. even though I don't want even no. people touching that film. Yeah, that's the point. Uh, we've had I don't know how many Friday the Thirteenth movies. I mean, what's how many times can you tell the story about campers going to a cabin in the woods and some girl gets into her pajamas and then a spike comes through the wall and right. slashes them? I, I don't know how many times you can do that, but I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll, I, you know. I guess, I guess I won't now. I guess shut it down. I guess what I'm getting at by the devil's advocate thing is like we're okay with like certain reboots, and I guess is it up to us to judge, or is or are they're just like how do we determine that? Like we just, we just talked last week about the the Halloween reboot, and where I'm like, oh, we're kind of okay with Danny. Oh, I was okay with Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, and John Carpenter gives the thumbs up. We're like, yeah, I kind of want to see it. Yeah. But when Rob Zombie's like, I'm remaking Halloween, we're like, mm. yeah. so maybe it is the director, maybe who it is whose hands it's in. But I'm going to say that if there was a million James Bond movies, and we do another, and James Bond movies will just keep getting made it's about that character just like friday the 13th there's been all these movies made there's been all the nightmare on elm streets made it's just that that, that character I, I would call them like uh they're, they're not james bond but they're they're their own thing it's yeah. like it, it's 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 not a it's not remaking a one-off it's like the dirty rotten scoundrels remake that's a one-off the ghostbusters remake yeah there were two of them and that was a one-off whereas like this is just like a lasting character that has its own lore so yeah i'm okay with it not being made because i wasn't going to see it anyways but but i could <laughs> i could see your point okay. and i know your frustration with this so i can agree with that side of yeah. it too well you know who's not frustrated right now is warner brothers and it's because <laughs> 
Uh, Lego Batman is raking it in. For their second weekend, they made another $42 million, taking them to a domestic total box office of $107 million. So in two weeks, they've crested $100 million. And I don't think that's going to stop. I mean, there's no other kid movie out right now that's competing with it. It obviously brings in the adults uh, because of its sort of uh, send-up of the Batman character, which we'll probably get into a little bit later on this one. But um, yeah, it's it's good. It like it destroyed uh, the opening weekend for Great Wall. It's it's it, 50 like, Slaves Darker, what is, Shades Darker, whatever yeah, it is. I mean, the next thing that I think that could possibly dethrone it is probably going to be Logan, even though that's an R-rated movie. But it's it, it, Lego Batman will have been out in the theaters long enough. Logan will, will hit next week. All aboard! All aboard! All train is about to leave the station. All aboard! Uh, yeah, the hype train rolls on, and we had a new poster or series of posters that came out this week. Internacional. Internacional. Uh, that uh, all proved something that we've been speculating on for the last few weeks, and it is, is the last Jedi singular, or is it a Luke thing, or is it a all of the Jedi? And because it was Los Ultimos Jedi, yeah. plural, so yeah. now we know. Thank it's, you, it's, thank you, romance languages. Yes, <laughs> that put, now we that know put that put S's on plural. things definitively to make it so that there's more than two or more than one. Yes, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. So, what's your take on this? If it's not going to be a story about, if it, yeah, it's definitely a continuation of the Skywalker saga. But what does it mean to have a plural version title of the Last Jedi? Should it be like the Last of the Jedi or something like that? Uh, well, we don't know. If it was going to be the Last of the Jedi, they would have called it that in theory, right? So, doesn't this sort of imply that it's going to be Luke? and Ray, they would be the two Jedi, maybe Finn. I don't know if he has force powers. He wielded a lightsaber well, but I didn't sense any sort of force power with him. He wasn't force pushing or choking or doing anything. But any in of order stuff. for Ray to become a Jedi to be a second to a second Jedi with Luke, she has to go through the full training process. So maybe Fair. so maybe we're going to see her training Yoda style with Luke to turn her into a Jedi. So she can finally Hopefully face. She doesn't have to put Luke on her back. <laughs> That'll be tough. But that we did see her in Force Awakens do the the mind trick That's with her, the yeah. With so the she, Imperial. So she's got the power, right? Yeah. So, so Kylo can't be, or I guess he could. He could become a Jedi if he comes back from the dark side, if you call it. Has and, that ever been done in any of the lore? Not that I know of, but yeah, I mean, I don't, in, in, I don't even know if he's a full Sith. We don't know that because of, right. because of, uh, we don't know what Voldemort says about the whole thing. <laughs> I'm assuming you mean Snoke. Yeah, but he means okay. Voldemort. Voldemort. Okay. Uh, Second thing here is the cameras are officially rolling on yet another uh, film that we're excited about, which is the Han Solo standalone film. Yep. I'm very excited about this. There's, there's a couple things I'll say. Number one, uh, Han Solo is my favorite movie character of all time, period. You know, wow. uh, Yes. All time. My favorite character in all movies. To see this picture that we saw this week uh, before, uh, before the cameras rolled, we saw a cast photo of them all in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, including the guy who's going to be playing Chewbacca, uh, Daniel, or Donald Glover's in there, uh, he, uh, Amelia Clark, who plays uh, who knows who. Denarius. And, and it was weird. It was it was weird that like. <laughs> Yes, Woody Harrelson's in the movie, but he's like he's he's in the corner of the. It's almost like he photobombed it. He, he it did. It's like side. yeah, it's like he doesn't even belong there, and he's not even looking at the camera. He's probably high as a kite. He's but, so yeah. out of place. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's in production. And the funny thing was, like that shot of Alden Ironreich or whatever his name is, like he looked it. It looked like him, like a young Han Solo. So yes, just that look gets me excited about it. Here's the second thing. Usually we have these, these this plan now where, okay, we've got Episode 7 came out in uh, December. Rogue One came out in December. Episode 8 is coming out in December. Uh, no, not for Han Solo. They're not waiting a full year for this one. This one's coming out in May, similar to the actual Star Wars releases. Like this it, year? No. But oh. so, so between Episode 8 and the Han Solo movie, we don't have to wait a year. We only have to wait six months. Oh, I like 
That's cool, right? Oh, I like that. Uh, here's another thing as well. Uh, Donald Glover is on a roll. Blowing up. Uh, if you, I mean, go back to The Martian. He had Atlanta, very successful television show. He's now got the Han Solo movie. He's going to be in the live action. He's been cast as Simba in uh, arguably the main character in The Lion King, right? So he, now he's got that role. This guy is building quite the resume very, very quickly, just within the last, what, five years? Yeah, and he's a very, very talented guy, and uh, I can't wait to see what this guy is going to do. But uh, one other thing, uh, uh, James Earl Jones will be back to voice mm-hmm. Mufasa, which is going to be great. Favreau's directing it. We know he can do animals because he did the Jungle Book thing. One other thing from this sort of Star Wars thing that I just want to say is Anthony Daniels had a birthday this week. He is 71, Aww. which makes him C-3P-old. <laughs> Nothing? All right. Really? No. Really? Okay. Uh, okay, I heard a rumor. Uh, Batfleck doesn't want to be Batman anymore. Aww. Oh, Jenna. Oh. So, and I thought about this a little bit. Look, what's the typical lifespan of uh, of a James Bond? It's three to four pictures because that cause it, that can encompass a decade. Yeah. And and if you look at it, Batman versus Superman. If you go all the way back to the beginning of pre prod production, everything involved. Uh, leading all of the stuff that he's doing for Justice League and this talk about playing the the Batman in Batman uh, is three enough is 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 ten years of his life dedicated to one role enough? Should we continue to ask him to do more and more of this stuff? I don't know. Uh, I I can certainly understand the frustrations with the bad reviews off of BVS, the the difficulties with Suicide Squad and. You know some of the writing conflicts and stuff that have happened with the Batman. I don't know. I I, I really want to wait to judge this off of seeing Justice League next year because I, I I don't I don't know. Maybe he knows something we don't. Here's yeah. it, it, this has been a really strange like sequence of stories. So first the story was Ben Affleck's not going to direct anymore. Like oh that's okay. He's still going to be Batman. That's cool. Uh, they're going to keep his script. Then it was they're not going to use that script anymore. They're going to use this script. And then it was Matt Reeves is going to direct the uh, the guy that did uh, Planet of the Apes or the yeah. second Planet of the Apes movie in uh, Cloverfield, right? Yeah. Cool. Matt Reeves is not going to direct anymore. Then it's uh, rumor Affleck doesn't want to play Batman anymore. It's like okay, so this movie's gone from being good and ready to go, like you know uh, what a month ago, to yeah. completely almost being gone. And you could argue, do they need a standalone Batman movie in this universe? Or do you, nope. just, do you just keep making them? It's not like they're making standalone Iron, Moon, Iron Man movies anymore. Yeah, they're making the Thor ones, I guess. But yeah. I agree. I mean, what story do you have to tell with well, just Batman now? From a, from a Hollywood perspective, isn't it every actor's dream to get one of these kinds of roles where you're just in for the long haul, for one role that's constantly just going to feed your family, pay your bills, and you, you go back into something that's comfortable? Or... As someone who is a creative type, do you strive more to do different things uh, rather than stick to one specific role? I don't know because I'm not in that space, but I'm genuinely curious what that must be like as an actor being limited to one particular role like that. Well, there's certain there's okay. So there's a certain thing about being typecast, right? So yeah, Mark exactly. Hamill's a perfect example. Typecast is Luke Skywalker. He, he, Leia, he yeah, one. perfect. Um, but Han Solo or Harrison Ford was able to do Indiana Jones. So he's kind of typecast as too. He got to do Jack Ryan. So he, he was lucky to get out of that. Affleck goes into this already not being typecast. He's Affleck. Yeah. He's, you know, he's Batfleck and he can, he can recover from this. So I think it was, I, I, if you're that guy and if he was so, all reports where he was such a huge fan of Batman and he, he was really honored to play this role, but then to suddenly drop out of it, something's wrong, man. I, I'm, I'm worried. Something stinks. Yeah. Something does not smell good. Um, what I, what does smell good 
is that we've talked about this before. Universal Monsters uh, standalone films that uh, that Universal Pictures is doing. Since when do monsters smell good? Oh man, I'm telling you, this is going to get good. <laughs> um, we got some news this week that the uh, Van Helsing has entered the fray. So we've got the Mummy that's coming out this year with Tom Cruise. Yep, going to be. It looks amazing. I cannot wait to see that film. Uh, we've also had uh, some rumors around Johnny Depp playing the Invisible Man. Yep. Also being written by Ed Solomon, who wrote Men in Black. Bill uh, and Ted. Bill and Ted, among other things, right? We, we've we now gotten Van Helsing, which is going to the writer from Wrath of the Titans. Uh, was his first produced feature. Uh, Dan Mizu. I hope I'm produced, pronouncing that right. Um, so it's taking shape, right? Uh, we're starting to see this. So we've got Bride of Frankenstein, Van Helsing, Mummy, uh, Invisible Man, Who's uh, Jekyll and Hyde's missing? That's about it, right? The cool thing about this is we've talked about it. And I think one of the previous shows is the fact that they're they're going to make this a, a connected universe of these monsters. Like they all live in the same world, which is awesome. I think they're taking a page out of the Marvel playbook and they're seeing what they did right, and they're basically learning from DC what not to do. But again, we don't have a movie to even judge us on yet. But if they've gone into it at least thinking long term and big picture and making things integrate together, and they're attaching big names like Marvel did, I, I it's only a chance for success. No kidding. I mean, to have Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, there's, there's talks of Angelina Jolie potentially directing Bride of Frankenstein. Ugh. It's interesting to me. And it goes to your point of att- attracting big names to this. They would not sign up for it if they weren't interested. They, sure. don't, they don't need the money at this point. True. Right? True. Um, so they're, if they were not interested in the project, I, I think it, it tugs on the childhood heartstrings of those old black and white Marvel or uh, Universal monster movies. And I, if you're a fan of those kinds of works, I, I love them. So I, I can't wait to see what they do with them. So this falls out of your 30-year uh, rule for reboots, right? Totally. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Just double-checking. This is not the Brendan <laughs> Fraser mummy. <laughs> okay. but I want to make that perfectly clear. That was a lot of fun, yeah. but it was horseshit. Okay. So last thing um, in TV and movies is, I think, a kind of big deal. So Paramount was supposed to be in production or was getting ready to do a movie with Martin Scorsese, a mob gangster movie with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Who else do you do a gangster movie with? I mean, there aren't any more people. I mean, check, check, and check. All three of those. I right mean, maybe there. it's a comedy like Grumpy Old Gangsters, or, or I don't know if, if that's what it is. But you know, Walter Mathau shows up as the uncle. I think you, you said. Know. I think you told me earlier. You said uh, Pacino looks like a homeless guy now. Yeah, kind of. Give me a bed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. But uh, uh, but here's the thing. So. Paramount decided to pass on this $100 million feature, and Netflix apparently has swooped in and said, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. Of course you will. So this is a bigger discussion. Tell me what you think about the idea of Netflix, because this, I don't know of a $100 million movie they've done. I can imagine that that the series that they've done have been upwards of that. Oh, I can imagine House of Cards, a season of House of Cards getting up there. Sure, but those are are, 12-hour or 10-hour epics, right, if you want to call them that, prestige television. And now you've got this, this... what would be released in the theater now coming maybe directly to Netflix. So I guess what is the business model is kind of what I'm getting at. Right. So by that, I mean, uh, how do you recoup your hundred million dollars? Cause you're not, if you're not releasing it in a theater, are they saying that everybody that is a Netflix subscriber is essentially paying a $7 and 99, you know, or $7 99 cent ticket each month to watch this movie. It'll be interesting to hear. So Netflix is a public company and they yeah. have to report earnings on certain large properties and sure. investments and stuff, right? So it'll be interesting to hear once this film comes out and we see some returns on it, we'll we'll get to hear on that quarterly earnings call what, or the yearly earnings call what that was specifically, hopefully, right? They'll, maybe they'll identify that individually as how it performed. But 
I, t- I look at this from two different angles. One, as filmmakers, you'll do anything to get your film made and distributed, right? You'll go anywhere to get financing. If you go back to Wolf of Wall Street, um, the 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 trip typical domestic studios and production houses would not finance that film to get made, and it's it's Scorsese and Leo and Jonah Hill and I mean big names yeah. in there, right? Yeah. Would not do it, so they ended up going to Abu Dhabi Pictures and I think uh, Chinese financing. That, so they went, had to go find it. That was also Scorsese, which is another interesting, mm-hmm. you know, conspiracy theory thing that might go on. Um, so now we see, uh, as a filmmaker again, Scorsese not getting uh, a deal, right? So I, I, again, I think filmmakers will do anything they need to do in order to get their film out there, right? On the converse of that. I think there's some connective tissue here between what we were talking about last week yep. with uh, films getting distributed by other means, potentially even streaming video on demand cinema or cinema on demand, maybe as a way to think about it. To your point about financing, uh, people are going to pay their eight bucks a month. And maybe that's the count. Sure. Maybe that maybe it's eight dollars a month times twenty five million subscribers. That's maybe, how they're doing the math. Maybe they'll think that people would start subscribing to Netflix and pay their eight dollars for sure. a month just to see that movie. That's sure. possible. Customer acquisition, you know, because of that film. I don't know, and I, I think this is really interesting because I, I was telling you earlier, it feels like the Wild West right now. Yeah. There uh, there has never been a time in Hollywood where there's been more content and more ways to consume content. That to me is great for filmmakers and for consumers as well. So here's the other thing. So let's say like Netflix owns this, right? The, who's to say that they don't release it in a theater, and instead of seeing a Paramount logo on a screen, you see Netflix? There's absolutely nothing stopping them from doing that from what I understand, but I don't think they'll do that. Okay. I don't think Netflix wants to be a distribution house for traditional cinema. Right. Uh, it, I don't know if that's in their business model. I know they want to do original content, but their only distribu- distribution platform seems to be their, their subscription service. And then my next question would be, is this the first shot fired across the bow? By that, I mean, now does, does Amazon be like, hey, what about, hey, we'll do that too? Or does Apple be like, oh, whatever. We got $246 billion in our pocket. We'll just make these movies too. Apple yes. movies. You know? And Apple has, what, 600 million billions, bajillions in the bank? Yeah. Cash? Yeah. Go out and buy a bunch, about 10 of these a year and yeah, just sure whatever. Sure. The interesting side of that for me is that if that becomes true, um, will filmmakers begin to forsake Wilshire Boulevard and the traditional studio reps and, and executive producers in order to go to some of these other alternative distribution models that don't put up resistance, give them what they need to make their product? Yeah. I, just, I don't it's know. More ways to, it's more people to buy it. It's Like you said, it's more distribution elements. And I where think. else are you going to get 25 million people to potentially watch your movie? Right. Wow. So there's a lot of questions that I have here around this, and I think there's we're going to see this explode, yep. especially as we get more into SVOD, potentially cinema same-day releases, and it's going to be interesting to see what the production houses especially start doing uh, and even the filmmakers themselves. Seems like we might have been onto something with our discussion last week, eh? Yeah. You guys should definitely go check that one out from last week if you haven't heard it yet. But for now, we're going to move on and talk about some tech. Well, Andy, it's time for our weekly segment on Apple. <laughs> yeah. Um, Is there an Apple train? <laughs> no, it's just an every week thing. Uh, there's things to love and things to, to hate about Apple every single week. Uh, this week, what's in the news is that Apple seems to be betting everything on Siri. And and what I mean by that is there's no plans at Apple to come out with a standalone home assistant. And I think we've talked about this a little bit, but they've they, I think they've kind of come out and said it now. Uh, they're going to depend more. Because look at, 
the the takeaway here is you've got Siri on everything Mac now, and I think yeah. I think people take that for granted. It's on your it's on your Macs, it's on your Apple TV, it's on your phones, it's on your iPads. It truly traverses the entire Apple ecosystem, right? Yep. They don't really need one of those because any given household is going to have one to two uh, at least of those devices. I've got one, two, three. Four of those in my house right now. Yeah. I don't need a, a standalone speaker device. I've got four of them already. Yeah, and speaking of the Apple TV, um, they have talked about that with the new one that's coming out, if there is another one coming out, there's rumors of maybe a 4K Apple TV coming in the next cycle of it. Uh, they've talked about considering shipping a traditional game controller with it, right? Now, here's I'm shocked that they didn't do it the first time. Yes, they were available. You could buy like the $50 like uh, PlayStation. But that controller. was third-party stuff, right? right? Just Bluetooth yeah. connected. And you can connect a mouse and keyboard, their Magic Mouse and their yeah. Apple keyboards and everything. But they decided not to do it. And I think that – and many people have said that this was a mistake because if you look now at the numbers, what were a year or two – since that release of that Apple TV, yeah. if you look at the numbers of the apps and the dollars generated, 80% of the revenue is coming from games, yeah. from the App Store. If you look at even the, the mobile devices, 80-ish percent of the revenue-generating apps are games. So it's interesting to me that they didn't. They decided not to do that. It makes me immediately think that it was a cost issue. They want to make all the monies yeah. themselves, and putting extra stuff in there costs more. And you don't get as big of a as of a margin on it. So I, I have to believe that there's got to be something. Maybe even they're the king of add-ons, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, a la carte little add-ons and stuff. So there's got to be a, a way for them to come out with some kind of game controller. Because I'm not going to do it with that stupid little thin right. Apple remote. I'm not going to try and play a game with that. To me, this is a no-brainer. They have a huge library of just games that are screaming to have a controller on it. And if you came out with one, you are essentially saying, hey, buy this thing. It's another console device that you could play games on. Totally. Why would you not do that? Because I don't think they really want to get into the console Right, war. but they don't want to confuse it. They, they, don't want to, like, they don't want to mismarket themselves. They're smart about that. I get it. But, I mean, they... they <laughs> It's so simple. Just give me something with two thumbsticks and some three or four buttons, and and I'll play all kinds of games, and I'll spend all kinds of money, and maybe they're the kind of games that you don't really need a big-ass, badass, powerful Xbox or or PlayStation for. Right. So, hey, another thing that came out uh, this week was uh, about a year ago, um, Apple had purchased a Israeli-based firm called RealFace. Yep. And we got some more news on what... The, basically, they were doing some technology, some new technology around face recognition. And you know, it, the, the, their, their trademark was that they would take a batch of photos and pick the best quality ones for you. Right. Identify them. So Apple buying these guys is being speculated that not only are they going to do the thumbprint touch ID... But as a way to either unlock your phone or confirm identity, they're going to start doing working in face recognition. That's cool. So, like your front-facing camera will now maybe be you'll be able to unlock your phone with that if there's a match. What happens if I grow a big badass beard like I'm doing right now? Good point. I don't know. Well, will it still match? Who knows? Well, it's like Connect on on uh, the Xbox One. Yeah. When I when I turn it on, it recognizes that it's me and it logs me into my thing without me saying like log in or sign in. It just knows that it's me. How does it, is it a trigger keyword or is it your voice? No, nothing. It, it actually, the camera sees me and knows that it's me and it logs me in. I don't have to Whoa. say, a, yeah, I don't have to say a word. And it doesn't matter if I'm wearing a hat or if I'm not wearing a hat, it knows that it's me. Wow. Okay. So maybe that is a real thing. Um, a lot of people have been asking also, how do they get uh, Alexa from Amazon Echo on their Apple devices? Is okay. that ever going to be a thing? And w- because, think about it this way, everything in your house is Apple. Yeah. Except for your Amazon Echo. Right. 
there's no integration there other than Bluetooth connectivity, right? So there's a third-party app out there called Reverb that actually does in it have the Amazon Alexa code in it, whatever the SDK is, right? Wait, it's out there now? I can get this? I believe so, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's something that I want to look into a little bit more because if I can put Alexa on all of my iDevices, because I don't use Siri, yeah. I can't stand it, if I'm being honest. It just has never worked for me. But if I can get Alexa on there and I can tell Alexa via my phone to play something in the living room. Off your iTunes library or just anything? Uh, off the Amazon, I'm assuming off of the Amazon Prime okay. music playlist, okay. right? I see what you're Maybe I'm away from home and I need the dog to hear some music or something. <laughs> uh, I think more home automation things like I forgot to close the garage door. I forgot to turn the coffee maker off. I yeah. didn't turn the lights off or start the Roomba. All of those things now become real because you've got all those tied into your Echo yep. at home with commands, but you're not there or you're away from it where you can't give it a command. Now all of a sudden you can with potentially having Alexa on your iDevice. I, I understand why Apple would want to prevent this, but it doesn't make any sense to not allow people to do it. So it, it'll be interesting to see how all of this works out. Another thing, so a, another Apple event should be coming sometime next month. They're speculating uh, where they're going to announce a new product line. Maybe they'll announce this new Apple TV we just talked about. Mm -hmm. But the big thing is they there's talk of them refreshing the iPad line. What, just to put a bigger hard drive in it? They're going to have different screen sizes. They're going to update all the processors up to the latest A10s, I think is what they're up to now. All of them are now going to have Retina displays. Um, basically, what they're doing is bringing the horsepower of the iPad Pro line all the way down to the iPad Minis. Oh, okay. And all of the, the two or three that are in between, the different screen size formats, right? So it begs the question of, well, why do we need an iPad Pro anymore? Because if they're all going to have the iPad Pro specs, it, it just eliminates the need to have that special one. But I'm sure they'll figure something out. They'll, they're smart. They'll, they'll know how to sell you a $2,000 version of the same thing. You know, I think there may be another product refresh because Best Buy just started slashing all of their MacBook prices. This so was interesting. Yeah, if you're in the market for like an iBook or a MacBook or a MacBook Pro or whatever. I don't know if it's a MacBook Pro. It just might be the actual MacBooks. It's the Airs. Oh, It's the MacBook okay. Airs. Okay. Uh, and to me, this is direct competition to what we talked about last week with the Chromebooks oh. selling as well as they have been. And we talked that they outsold Max last week. Right. Um, they've slashed the price $200 down to $800. And remember what I was saying last week, guys, is this is a full-blown version of the iOS. Or, or, I'm sorry, not iOS, Mac OS software, not just a Chrome browser like a Chromebook is. Yeah. Uh, you're getting about the same hardware. You're actually getting more hardware than you do in a Chromebook. You might be paying two or $300 more, but you're absolutely going to be able to do a lot more for it. You're going to get more ports to do things with. And like I said last week, if it's just a consumption device where you're just consuming content, yeah. checking email, doing Facebook, yeah. all of that stuff, uh, listening to this podcast, you know, it's, it's a perfect kind of device for that where you don't have to go out and drop two to three grand on some big fancy MacBook Pro laptop. Yeah, I just, I just think like historically Best Buy always seems to drop these prices just be, like they know something we don't because they're, you know, a manufacturer, or not a manufacturer, but a retail store and they're probably just trying to dump all their stock yep. so, because the new stuff's coming. But again, all speculation. We'll probably find out more in a couple of weeks when they have this big event. March is usually a pretty good one. June is the one where we get a lot of stuff, uh, a lot About, of the big announcements yeah. at their WWDC, the developer conference. Yep. Um, it's. I don't remember them doing a really big announcement during a March event uh, in recent memory. It's usually the June and the October events. Uh, but we'll see. I'm, I'm anxious. We're less than a month away from that at this point. Okay, there's another big announcement in regards to the universe. Not tech, but like the universe it required tech to find this out. But NASA has discovered an entire new solar system with at least seven 
habitable planets, possibly, that could support life. <laughs> to, uh, to quote Keanu Reeves, whoa. Yeah, I mean, apparently, like, I, in this article I read, and they announced this today, like in a big press conference, uh, it's Wednesday, they knew of four, apparently, originally, and now they, they say that there's potentially seven, like, we're talking planets that they believe have, like, uh, that are made of rock that people could actually stand on. These aren't, like, gaseous, like Jupiter, right. where you'd stand on and float right through the bottom of it. And this, they're in the livable zone, which it means it's, it's... The distance from the actual star, that, or there's some red dwarf or white dwarf that it's that they orbit, and I don't know how far out of the solar... Like, you can look this article up. Just type in NASA into your thing. Oh, and yeah. you, we'll have it on Facebook. You guys can come chat with us yeah. about it. So here's the deal. So originally, they had just found individual, what we called exoplanets. They didn't really understand that it was a solar system uh, in and of itself, and they didn't understand that there were that many habitable planets that were in there. And I think, like you said, it was just four. They thought they were just individual little planets, right? What they've now pieced together is that it is an entire solar system rotating, orbiting around a star. Similar to ours. Just like ours. And, I mean, we're nine planets, eight if you don't count Pluto, but fuck you if you don't. Pluto's a planet. I don't care what you say. They're saying that Pluto may be back to being uh, a planet soon yes. as well. We were right all along. It's not a Disney dog. It's a freaking planet. <laughs> you can't live on uh-huh. it. <laughs> that's, that's goofy. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yes. So, I look. Space stuff. You've always got my attention. I, the question remains. We're <laughs> never going to see. We can't even get to Mars. <laughs> yeah. Much less travel outside our own solar system and yeah. send humans without some kind of wormhole that Stephen Hawking has figured out how to open up yet. But maybe we can send Jodie Foster there or Matthew McConaughey somehow, like yeah. either through Interstellar or all right, contact. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched an episode of Shark Tank this week. Oh. And there was this really cool product on there called Toy Mail. Okay. And the reason I'm bringing this up, especially in our tech version, is because every single day we use email. Yep. Right? But what do our kids do? They don't have any way to message their parents or anything like that, Younger right? kids that haven't been given a phone yet with the ability to contact. Okay, sure. Sure. Um, well, let's take the screen. One of their MO is to get the screens out of in front of kids' faces. All right. right. That was one of their big messages to uh, to get. So there's a company that's started up called Toy Mail, and they're basically plush animals with two little soft buttons. One is record, one is listen okay. on the front of the plush animal, and there's a device inside of it that will send via Wi-Fi uh, a, a message to and from a app on a smartphone. Interesting. So what this gives you the ability to do is to have voice interactions with your kids wherever you are. Through a toy or through through a stuffed animal. Through a plush stuffed animal. That's cool. They they make all different ones. They had a shark. They have a stegosaurus. uh, All of this stuff, right? But check out Toy Mail. I think it's toymail.co. I'll definitely put this one on the Facebook page for you guys to uh, to check out. But really, really cool technology that they're doing. The, the, The lady that came up with it is this extremely smart... Uh, Indian lady who uh, got her graduate degree in engineering from MIT. Nice. So she is not effing around when she comes up with this kind of stuff. Uh, but definitely check out Toy Mail. So I read something else about toys, and I know this is it's toys, but it doesn't sound like tech. But this actually is. Did you read this something about hologram Barbie? I did. Uh, yeah, this one's. I, I, there's a whole big discussion we could have about futuristic kid toys uh, of the future, and I, I think that's something we might actually do. But Hologram Barbie is apparently the next thing for this upcoming Christmas season. It's going to come out this fall, and what the prototypes have shown, I think we first saw it at CES back in January. Okay. And basically what it is is it's a hologram. It's a little like stage toy. Think of the Dream House, I think is where that, the Barbie Dream House, whatever that is. This is where this first started. Uh, but basically, you have a kid that has a projection, a holographic projection of Barbie that will try on clothes, tell you what the weather is, 
I'll walk over to the window, look outside, and then turn around to your kid and tell you what the weather is. Uh, it's it's kind of creepy to think about it no, initially. Wait, but. wait, this is not on a computer screen. This is like a hologram, like in the middle of their room, like like uh, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, or my only hope hologram. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Not, maybe not in the middle of the room, but it's in uh, like a stage okay. platform cool. thing, right? So really, really cool stuff that's coming out for kids now. I, I, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was a kid all over again. Not that I'd be playing with Barbies because. We don't. We don't do that. We're manly man, but really cool stuff. Yeah, but imagine hologram GI Joe. Oh, I mean, oh can you imagine yeah. the wars you had? Oh. Oh. Anyway, oh. we could get lost in that one. So going back a little bit to techie here, um, uh, we talked recently about uh, Microsoft and the surfaces. Well, one, we've got some more information on the Surface Mobile that's coming out. And one of the big th- takeaways here is that this is not a smartphone in the traditional sense of what we've become accustomed to with the Android devices and the iDevices from Apple. So then what is it? If it, it Surface Mobile is like a pad, or what is it? Well, the problem with mobile devices is that the apps are designed specifically for mobile. Nobody has made the transition from PC to mobile. Okay? Right. Uh, and it's not that people are going to be editing Photoshop images on their tiny little screens we're talking on a phone we're mobile by mobile you mean like a phone size thing is that what you're saying a, a, a five inch screen okay. whatever it might be uh but they're actually going to run an ultra small version of windows 10 that's awesome on their smartphone and yes there is going to be some win 32 based traditional applications wow. that are going to be able to run in a very lightweight form so excel powerpoint those kinds of things you can swipe around and do on your phone, right? Huh. Same thing you do with the Apple apps, sure. Keynote and, yeah. and spreadsheets and stuff. So that the, what they're what I wanted the quote I wanted to give is that they're giving an interest emphasis on ultra mobile Windows 10 PC is what they're calling it as opposed to a smartphone. Does it have phone capabilities? Do we it know? does. Oh, it's, okay. it's an ultra it's a it's ultra mobile Windows 10 PC with telephony is Got what they're it. what they're saying. <laughs> telephony, telephony. That's what we used to call it in the nineties and eighties. Wonder what Alexander Graham Bell called it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> telephony. <laughs> Get it? Phony. Tele- yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Uh, moving right along. Okay, so Facebook. Remember we talked about this whole, like, they want to keep you in the app all the time? Uh-huh. Like, they're trying to keep you in Facebook? Yep. What if they made you watch a, th- or what if you had the option to watch a three-hour Major League Baseball game inside of Facebook? You just blew my mind, because now I'm sitting here look, scrolling through my news feed, and do you want to watch a baseball game? Yeah, but then I can't look at Facebook anymore. From what I've read, this is not going to be like you get to choose which game. It's not like the MLB app will be embedded into the Facebook app, but no. maybe it will. But the idea is they're going to try and show like a game of the day or game of the week or some sort of something inside the Facebook well, you know app. When you see things on Facebook in the feed, it says so-and-so is live now. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. I think that's what it's going to oh, be. It's okay. just going to be another post yeah. like that. Where this gets interesting to me is you also remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Facebook coming out with an app for video and live for the Apple TV and other devices. Right. That's where this starts getting a lot of fun, right? So you go through the Facebook app on your Apple TV to watch a baseball game, even though you might not have the MLB package. Bingo. Uh-huh. Okay. Sounds a lot like Thursday night football on the NFL oh. network. Hmm, maybe. Okay. Could you imagine a day where we had a Facebook TV channel? That's basically what I think they might become. I mean, it sounds like it's already happening, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You've got Facebook Live. You've got. I mean, people are watching Facebook now instead of just like posing. Oh, you know what? Look at this pizza I ate. You know, like it's it's like hey, it's it's live video is happening yeah. a lot more There's often. Full blown production sets that are just re encoding to Facebook Live now. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I, that's interesting to me. I'm really excited about where they're going to take this, and I. I speculated a couple weeks ago it could replace YouTube. Oh, don't say Potentially. it. Potentially. Don't say it. I um you heard it here first, folks. All right. All right. 
One more thing about Facebook real quick. Um, there's a thing inside of the Facebook Messenger um, that is uh, known as chatbots. Uh, chatbots are that? ways are of extensibility in order for other companies to do allow you to do things within Messenger. There's a London-based company called TransferWise that is basically just a currency exchange, a foreign exchange for currencies. And they have now developed a chatbot for Facebook Messenger for you to send monies internationally. That's dangerous. It's dangerous, but it's useful. You don't now. You don't have to pay a bunch of fees to Western Union or any of those currency exchanges in the airport or PayPal? your bank or any of that stuff. PayPal's a good one, but to, and you're do, if you're doing it internationally, it still eats up the your bank okay. fees, right? Okay. Visa also charges a, a, a exchange fee, right? Okay. So uh, this is interesting that Facebook Messenger to Facebook Messenger now you can send and it will automatically translate it. That could be very, very lucrative for both companies. Um, if Facebook decides that they want to take a 1% or something like that yep. off of any kind of currency exchange, throw Bitcoin into the mix, that starts getting really fun to uh, speculate, especially as a tech guy. Hey, you remember when Facebook used to be just a place you'd go to play Farmville? Let's talk about some video games. So last week we talked about Ghost Recon Wildlands was going to have an open beta, and that starts tomorrow, yeah, Thursday tomorrow. the 23rd, and yeah. it's going to run through the weekend. I downloaded it yesterday. You couldn't play it Oh, you it can yet. download it. Yeah, you can download it now to like okay. be ahead of it. I think it starts at like 3 in the morning tonight. Oh, I'll stay up on I'm, I'm not going to stay up on <laughs> Yes, night. you will. No, I won't. No, I won't. And to edit this podcast, I will, because I'm dedicated, right? That's right. I'll be playing Overwatch. I probably won't be. Anyway, I'll check it out this weekend for sure. Um, I've got a pretty open weekend. Um, was just going to do some Borderlands with Jared and you know some Overwatch as normal. But um, yeah, this is something that I'm kind of interested in to see. We've heard some mixed reviews on it. For the record, I got it downloaded on Xbox, just in case you decide okay. which platform. And, okay. and if they give you the multiplayer... Uh, um, Element, this is an open beta, so it's not like you have to get an invitation or type in a code. You can just do it. And this game comes out March 7th, so it's not yep. too far away. Oh, it's about a week away. So this is going to be a typical Tom Clancy. It's You know what? It reminds me of like kind of like a just cause, but like in the Tom Clancy, like open world, like, you know, every bullet matters kind of thing. It's and, almost like a real world Halo, it looked like. Yeah. They're riding around in Jeeps and yeah. they're shooting. Ter- I don't know. It, it looks like a lot of fun. I want to give it a shot. Uh, you know what else you should give a shot? Coming out next week, and apparently this game is going to be good because the reviews are already starting to come out. Horizon Zero Dawn, PlayStation exclusive. They've been talking about this game for a while, and I never was really like, ah, whatever. Girl uh, with a bow and arrow and a robot dinosaur, that's great. I was already like, I was like, oh, PlayStation exclusive, No Man's Sky. Hmm, okay, right? But no, this is supposed to be really good. IGN, Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, <laughs> yeah. danger. IGN came out this week and gave it a 9.3 already. And they're already, re- like, if you're putting your game reviews out a week before it comes out and you're getting these kind of reviews, you know it's good. And it's a one-player game. There's no multi-element to this whatsoever. But this game is coming out next week, and apparently it is supposed to be awesome. So I am all in on this. The phrase that I heard multiple times throughout the reviews was a near-perfect action RPG. That's The last time I heard that phrase uttered was Skyrim. And if this game turns out to be another Skyrim... And it's you know it's got that sci-fi element that we like love so much. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a big surprise for people. Next week is a huge week because video games are on the forefront. We've got the Switch coming out uh, next. We're a Friday. week away. I know. Next Friday it's coming out. The, this week they're like, hey, you can pre-create your network ID, and I was like, what? 
Because I already have a Nintendo account ID through my Wii and my Wii U and my Yeah, 3DS. but apparently that's different because yeah, each it, of your devices has their own ID, but it ties know. into your one this Nintendo is, account. It's, this, it's a mess. Yeah, this is Nintendo not understanding online. But I went ahead, <laughs> if, you're, if you have one pre-ordered, or if not, you should just go, like if you want to eventually have a Switch and you want to get a certain name, get out there now and sign up for this ID. I, think I, you go to I went and signed up for my Crack Monkey name, just okay. in case, because... Great. Yeah, so I've got it. Uh, uh, I've got the name I wanted. You know, it's it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, what, I heard that they say that the Switch is not a console, it's a tool for play. What do they mean by that? So this is um, um, Tamahashi, I believe, saying that when... Because they've always... We've, we've had these debates about whether they're a console or not on par with the Xbox and PlayStation, and they never set out to be that. What they've set out to be, especially going back to the Wii, was a tool for play. And that's really... If you go back and you think about the Wii in a different vein of the Wiimotes... And all of that stuff, it was just a means to an end to get people together to play, uh, whether that's games or whether that's just playing together, all that stuff. So I think there's this thing with the Switch where it's they're getting people back to being in front of one another uh, with the mobility of of the Switch. So maybe that's what it's about. Do I think it's going to come to life? No, I think it's some fantasy thing that doesn't exist. But we'll see what happens. I think people are going to mainly use the Switch thing to replace their iPads to play games in bed. Or mo, you know, on the plane or whatever it is, right? I think the interactive stuff with, that we see with people playing each other that we've seen in the commercials, I think is probably going to gear more towards the younger side, and I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens, and we're only a week away, like you said, so uh, it's going to happen very quickly if you can get one. Totally. Uh, so look, we talked about Batman earlier. I don't know. I want to ask a question to you. And then I want us to dance around it and come full circle back to the same question and answer it at the end with all of our facts that we've we've drawn together. So okay. We went to see, uh, two weekends ago, we went to see Lego Batman. Yes. All right. We had a blast. I fell asleep. Not too uh, long. Whatever. Not for too long, though. But I, I nodded off here and there. But at the same time, it's been uber successful. We've seen it make $100 million in two weekends box office worth. And it, it raised a question that, that you brought in, which was, why Why is Batman still a thing? In Lego form or in Ben Affleck in form? In any form. Yeah. I, I, so who is this Batman guy? <laughs> You're the comics guy here, so if you can, walk me through some of the history of it, where it all started, and how it got to where we are today, because I, I really want to understand how this character has lasted as long as it has. Well, let's start with this. So Batman, to me, of all the superheroes, is the most relatable, so to speak, Sure. Uh, as far as a mortal human being to something that you could actually do, that you could, if you could acquire all the resources, you could actually pull this off, right? Fair. I could pull this off. You don't need to fly. You don't need to run really fast. You just need to train and know a bunch of stuff and study, and you can go stop crime. Well, there's several billionaires in the world today that could pull this off. Right, so maybe there's Zuckerman or Bat Zucker <laughs> or, or Muskman. Zucker Bat. Muskman. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah. So uh, here's the here's the quick history for those of you that don't know about Batman other than Lego Batman, which I doubt if you're listening to this show, but it's it's real quick. Uh, Des- Detective Comics number 27 in 1939 was Batman's first appearance ever, created by Bill Kane and drawn by Bill Finger. And there you go. Uh, 1939 so predates World War Two. Predates World War Two, and that I think is the same year that Wizard of Oz and Citizen Kane came out. That's how old that stuff is, right? Wow. So it's a comic book character, and he's a yeah. We know who he is. Uh, his parents were shot, and he wanted to. He trained to fight crime, and he just wants to stop crime, and he will do whatever he can. He's the smartest guy. He's the world's greatest detective. Nobody can beat Batman. Even the even the superpower guys. He's figured out a way to beat them all. 
even back then, was it the same origin story that we know today? Yes, yes it was. Okay, so it's a young kid. Parents get mugged and killed, yep. and he gets raised by his butler. Yep. And that all of that was the same. Yep. Okay. Yep. And now here we are, some eighty years later. Right? Is it eighty? I guess it would be almost, almost eighty. Two years now. I have to carry the two. yeah seventy seven yeah, seventy eight. Yeah. Sure. So we're eighty years later, and now he's 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 still relevant for some reason and i don't have the answer i just know that i like him and you like him and apparently everybody likes him and i think it's what i just said about how everybody can kind of relate to it there's something about uh that character and his sort of loss of parents which is a it's an ongoing theme in almost every disney movie but there's there's this sort of like you feel bad for the guy you are rooting for him you're you're rooting for the guy to do the right thing and to stop the good or stop the bad guys and he's got his own code of ethics about not killing people and not using guns because a gun is what killed his parents there's just like this weird like moral code that everybody can kind of relate to and then there's this whole like other weird parenting thing where you've got alfred is sort of like his pseudo parent that he raised but then he's also acquires this young ward who also lost his parents uh you mean robin robin okay who he is sort of a surrogate father and he's trying to do and be sort of a surrogate father to this kid kind of like he wasn't able to have for himself so he's trying to redeem himself there's some sort of weird redemption themes take all that out of the take all that out of the equation why has this character in your opinion now remember i'm the batman guy supposedly but for you um let's let's go back what is your first memory of batman as a kid uh the michael keaton movie really yeah so that was I wasn't that big into into com. I was more into like sports trading cards and stuff as a kid. Like if you go back before Nintendo and what I what did I do as a as a young kid? It was mostly like sports trading cards and I rode my bike around the neighborhood. So I did, didn't you read didn't, comics. You didn't watch you didn't watch like Super Friends? Uh no, I don't really? think so. Really? No. Okay. I was it was G.I. Joe and Transformers okay. and you know, I played with my micro machines and that was kind of it. Yeah, for me when I was a kid, it was like I loved Superman, right? Like I was Superman for Halloween, like early on in my life. But then I had like a Batman thing that like hung on my wall around Halloween right. time. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I watched the Super Friends, and there was Batman, and you know he's in it and great. And he had Robin, and he was always like, ha ha ha. And then as time went on, I discovered the Adam West Batman in syndication. So for me, for the longest time, Batman's like this fun, like okay, Robin, let's go do this. And Robin's always like, holy whatever, right? And that was this fun sort of weird thing. And then something happened in 1986. Frank Miller writes The Dark Knight Returns, which was this dark graphic novel where there was an old, oh, interesting. Gri- there's an old grizzled Batman who's been on the job for a while, and he has to stop the Joker, and the Joker and him have an epic fight. And at a certain point in this in this comic, and if you haven't read it, and I, most of you people that are listening probably have, but if you haven't, it's the definitive Batman story. Okay, um, You should read it. And if, you ha- if you don't feel like reading a comic book, there is an animated feature that is out uh, that was made a couple years ago. Uh, Peter Weller, Robocop, does the voice of Batman. <laughs> okay. Um, so you could you could see that. And, and this and, is called what now? Frank Miller's what? It's called The Dark Knight Returns. The Dark Knight Returns. So okay. this is when Batman went sort of like, swear to me, Batman, yeah. <laughs> right? He went full bail. Yes. And so as they were developing the 1989 Batman movie that we got with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker, yeah. right? There was a while where there was a point where Bill Murray was going to play Batman because they wanted to kind of keep the campy sort of style because that's what it was at a certain point. But then when The Dark Knight was so successful successful in 1986, they sort of went to the sort of dark brooding, you know. You want to get nuts? Yeah, let's get nuts. That that That's what happened. So the thing is, like we've always said uh, for you... Like you feel like it's it's grounded in reality a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, there's two big things for me here. Is that one? It's anybody could potentially really do this. Any of the billionaires around the world could do it. It's it's relatable in the sense that it is grounded in that sense of reality. Um, I think another thing that we brought up was um, I think I'm a bigger fan of some of the villains that are in Gotham 
or, or maybe I enjoy the interaction with them more than I do the just the world that Bruce Wayne and, and Batman live in. There's a perfect example. You love the show Gotham. Batman's yeah. not in it. No. But you love He's it. He's a little Why? kid. Yeah, but you but, love you love it because you're seeing the development of all of those villains that you come to know, right? Yeah, uh, Riddler and Poison Ivy and Catwoman and, and uh, uh, Joker and yeah. all of these guys, right? Here's a perfect example. It doesn't matter what side of the comic universe you're like a DC fan or a Marvel fan or whatever, right? Superman's villain is Lex Luthor. Uh, what's uh, the Hulk's villain? I have uh, the general guy, whatever okay, that right? I would say. Sure, what's Spider-Man's villain? There's a couple. There's Green Goblin and there's, you know, I would say else. Green Goblin. Daredevil has Kingpin. Yeah. But, there, you know, Batman has a rogues gallery. Batman has the Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler, Clayface, like Poison Ivy, Catwoman, all of these people. And all of their stories and his relations with all of these characters have a different sort of thing. And they're all recognizable. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's important also, and yes, Luther is sort of an anti- antithesis of Superman, but the Joker is Batman's perfect foil. Because yeah, Batman, nemesis. Batman is all about uh, structure and order and, and doing the right thing, and Joker is all about absolute chaos. Yep, full anarchy. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that I would say that, that draws me to it or, or that I, th- I like about it is that um, there's a part of this that's in real life that people wish they could do some of these oh, things really at good, certain times. That's a really good point. What do you so mean by that? So that? that Prius cuts you off on the freeway. <laughs> at a certain point, everybody's had that thought of, God, oh, would go up there and yank that MFR out of the car and beat the crap out of him for doing that, right? He, he didn't use his turn signal. He broke the law. Yeah. Swear to me! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, no, and at, whether or not we're doing it or not, I think there's this hope that we always want somebody out there doing, taking care of all of the heinous shit that maybe the cops aren't equipped for, can't take care of themselves. There's certainly a part of me that wants there to be some sort of super vigilante that's out there, you know, dealing with gangs, dealing with big crime, all of those. And, and that goes back to exactly what you're saying about because it could happen. It could be Muskman or Zuckerman or whatever that could actually get all of this stuff together and do it. Superman's not going to fly it down to yeah. planet Earth and do all this sort of stuff. There could be a guy, like you said, that would just sort of skate by the cops but do it the right way but also like get through all the red tape of like well that guy like that guy's clearly the the bad guy and the yeah. jury the jury decided that he wasn't but that's because he had a really good lawyer batman wouldn't stand for that there is no a reason in hell there is a reason that i love that tv show the shield so much okay and it is because in a way it's it to me it's the ultimate anti-hero vic Mackey's character in that show is fantastic he is a sort of vigilante justice he does the right things but he skates around the law to get things done uh, yeah, he scrapes a little on the side, but at the same time, you're rooting for what is set up to be the bad guy. But he's out there fighting the gangs, doing all of these other things. In a way, I think that's relatable. I think we always want Vic Mackey. We always want Batman yeah. to be out there taking care of shit for us. And whether or not it's some guy in a face mask or not, with a cape and like cool tech toys... I, I think there's always this hope that we we want somebody out there doing that for us. I need a hero. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. It's it's that sort of thing. It's the character traits that come down to it. I mean, it's and to me, this is another thing that really makes Batman special. It's you, you know, you, you got to have a good revenge story, right? He wants to clean up his city. Gotham is a cesspool, right? right? It's it's just, there's a riddled with crime. You've got all the the rogues gallery, the uh, criminals that are out there doing their thing. And why is that? There's two reasons. Number one, he doesn't kill people because he doesn't do that because he his parents were killed. Kill, yeah. And and then they have a terrible jail system because these guys keep getting out. I don't know why that happens, uh, but it's because they have to write a comic book every month. That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over at Arkham, but Jesus Christ, those guys just all they, they doesn't hold anybody in. They just get out all the time. So let's circle. Let's come full circle. 
why did Lego Batman make a hundred million dollars in two weekends? Is it? Let's put aside the fact that it's animation and targeted for both kids and adults. It had something to do with Batman and all of the characters that were in there. It was sort of parody satire of the actual character itself. So okay. Batman, it, it it plays up the relationship with him and a Joker, but instead of him being like them being mortal enemies, they're like jilted lovers, which is kind of funny. <laughs> okay, uh, there's the 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 way that they 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 portray his loneliness is just hilarious, where he's sitting in his giant theater, but like he, the fact that he's always in his house, like with the Batman mask on, it's never just, takes it off, right? right? But that's the other thing about Batman. Batman is you know everybody is always like the the thing is Bruce Wayne is not Bruce Wayne is not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is Batman. Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, right? Bruce Wayne, the millionaire playboy that he goes out and like picks up the chicks and does whatever and has his lavish parties. That's, that's the, the mask. That's the mask. You know, so that's relatable. <sighs> yeah, mind blown, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, so again, why does this? Why does this all come back to? Why has Batman lasted as long as he has? Is there a way that we can narrow it down in one sentence? That are there any other characters that you can think of? that have lasted this long continue to have interest in film or pop culture. Are are there any other pop culture icons that have survived 80 to a hundred years and are still relevant and popular? If I had to, if I had to put a finger on that, that's a good question you ask. Um, they constantly reboot Batman. There was the Michael Keaton version. Then there was the well, Val Kilmer version and uh, the Clooney, Clooney version. There was that section. Then there was the Nolan version, right? And now there's the Justice League uh, Zack Snyder version. And, and that's not going to be the end of it. It's going to keep going. And then of there's course. the Lego Batman universe. And then there's the cartoon Batman universe. So that character is, is constantly getting rebooted. And another character that we brought up earlier, it's the same thing. It's kind of the same guy is James Bond. Oh, Think okay. about it. Think yeah. about it. He's a he's a he's he's the best at his trade. He's got some character flaws, and you know he's a you know a suave billionaire playboy, but he's also like a superhero. Quote Skates unquote, around the rules and gets shit done. Quote unquote superhero that can also you know solve problems yeah. and can beat the big bad guy. It's very similar character. I mean, Iron Man is is basically the Marvel version of Batman. It's almost like verbatim. Billionaire playboy. Builds, has a bunch of money, builds a tech suit, and has all these things. He's not as secretive about it as Batman, but right. yeah, it's the same exact character. I never thought about that. That's interesting. Did we solve anything about it? No. Did we just just basically profess our love and just kind of break down why Batman is so successful, why he's so popular, why we like him, why we think everybody else likes him, why they made this Lego Batman movie that's a parody? Yeah, that's it. It's I, as simple as that. It's, I will still stand by and say that Superman is still my favorite hero, sure. uh, comic book hero. But I have more fun watching Batman in his world with the Bruce Wayne and Batman uh, characters and all of the villains that are going on in Gotham. I, I think I have the most fun in that world of all of the other comic book you know, archetypes that are out there. I think it's, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and I, like I said, I grew up Superman, and his, his flaw is his, his kryptonite, and he's too good of a guy, where yeah. Batman is mortal. Yep. His flaw is I can get shot. Well, hey, speaking of shots. Oh! We're not doing that, are we? Zima oh, is making a comeback. I read about this. This is awesome. <laughs> or is it? So the malt beverage party favor of every college campus of the mid-90s yes. uh, is making a comeback. Kind of like uh, Crystal Pepsi, but it's Zima. It's it's disgusting. It, it's, it's gross. It's not good. People used to actually mask the horrible flavor of it by putting Jolly Ranchers or other hard candies in it to give it some kind of fruit flavor. In order to be able to drink it. I remember that. And people would be able to do that and put it in like a Gatorade bottle so it looked like you had Gatorade. Or they would just, if they didn't put the Jolly Rancher in it, you could sneak it around in a water bottle. It was, yep. it was so easy to like be like, oh, I'm at a concert and I have a bottle of water. But it's Zima. <laughs> 
So you have a pretty good idea for the lightning round this week. I'm, I'm sorry, for what? Lightning round. All right, so here, okay. This is Oscar weekend. The Oscars are Sunday. Uh, we are fans of movies. Whether or not you or I have seen all these movies, as I'll admit, I have not seen as many of them as you have as far as the Oscar contenders. Fair. But instead of us rattling off a bunch of stuff, here's what I want to do. Okay. I'm going to make a little bit of a contest Ooh, between you and I. Okay? I like games. Here's, here we go. So what's going to happen is we are going to choose our picks for actor, actress, supporting actress, supporting actor, cinematography, director, adapted screenplay, original screenplay, and best picture, right? So, and then whatever happens, happens. Whoever gets the most things right then gets to decide, like if I win, I get to decide which bad movie you have to watch. So if I win, you have to watch High School Musical. Okay. So if you win, what movie do I have to watch? Extra. I don't even know what that is. But exactly. Okay. okay, great. Fine. Extra. Oh, I do know what that is. I don't want to. Okay. I hope I win. All right. Ready? Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, what are we? Are we naming off what our predictions are? All right. So let's, so let's start at the top. Best picture. Yep. Moonlight. La La Land. Best actor. Ryan Gosling. Casey Affleck. Okay. Best actress. Natalie Portman. Isabel Huppert. Interesting. I think Streep's going to win it, but whatever. Okay. Best supporting actor. Dev Patel. Mahershala Ali. Okay. Best supporting actress. Viola Davis. Michelle Williams. Okay. We are we are completely opposite. Each other. I this love is gonna this. Be awesome. Okay. Go ahead. Cinematography. La La Land. La La Land. Okay. Best director. Damon Giselle. La La Land. Damon Giselle. Okay. Uh, adapted screenplay. Moonlight. Arrival. Okay. Original screenplay. Manchester by the Sea. Hell or High Water. Oh, this is great. We'll this see is going to be happens. fantastic. Oh, all right, so it's all on the record now. Now there's no dodging, no no sketchy stuff happening. I'll do one better for you. Here's the thing, because we'll know the results of this before the next show. So yes. then, not only that, we have to give a review, a quick review of the movie that we watched to prove that we watched it. Yes. Of these movies that we are, that we are uh, 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 fighting for. Okay? Sold. So you either have to review High School Musical or I have to review Extra. Yes. This is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm so in for this. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, check us out on uh, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Leave us a review across the board. We'd love to hear your feedback. All of the articles that we talked about uh, and all of the news we talked about this week are going to be over on the Facebook page. Come over and have a conversation with us. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think, and we will get right back to you. Uh, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over at Data Center Dude on and, Twitter. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at Andy Nelson 76 And we will see you guys next week. Enjoy the Oscars later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.